Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Culture of Leadership. We have conversations that help you develop and become a more confident leader. If you're a leader looking to optimize your hybrid work environment, you won't want to miss this episode. The pandemic continues to shape the way we work. Many organizations and leaders in particular are grappling with the challenge of managing hybrid teams. In this episode, I speak with Bretton Putter, author of Culture Dex Decoded and Own Your Culture, to discuss the secret to optimizing hybrid work. During the interview, Brett shares his expertise on how to successfully navigate the transition to hybrid work post-pandemic. He talks about the importance of maintaining a strong company culture in a hybrid environment, the key elements of effective hybrid team management, and the tools and techniques leaders can use to stay connected with their teams and ensure productivity and engagement. Stay tuned until the end for my three key takeaways from the interview. I'll also share the 50% discount code Brett has provided our viewers for his online video training course, Managing Hybrid Teams. The course equips leaders with the skills and knowledge needed to manage hybrid teams effectively. This is the Culture of Leadership. I'm Brendan Rogers. To start, I asked Brett's perspective on the current state of the hybrid work environment post-pandemic. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Brett. This is quite interesting. You, you would think that most leaders have had a fair amount of experience working in the office and leading in the office. And they had about two years of enforced, pandemic-enforced remote work. So you'd think that this transition to hybrid work should have gone quite well. But actually, it's not gone that well. Um, the initial feeling, I'd say, around six months ago when I was talking to the clients and, and, and that I work with and, and, and the HRDs and people in leadership roles was that the transition was going quite well. And... I think six months later, I'd say that it's going okay in some companies and not so well in a lot of companies. You know, it should be expected there are positives and there are also issues starting to surface. And I think the, the, you know, the, the, where it's gone okay is companies talking about increased productivity, reduced costs, improved work life balance, that kind of thing. And other companies are having difficulty maintaining team cohesion and communication. They're struggling to build culture. They're struggling to connect with culture. Their people are feeling disconnected. And I think really, if we look at it, most companies are, are still in the process of figuring out how to implement hybrid work because they've made a decision about the type of work, hybrid work they're going to do, whether it's mandated X number of days in the office or X percentage of days in the office, or the team leader decides or the individual decides. They've, they've made these decisions and they've decided on how they're going to pay people and they're going to, they've decided on the sort of more the, the basics and they were hoping that once they tick the box, then hybrid work would get on with itself. But unfortunately, that's not been the case. Hybrid work is, is proving and will continue to prove to be a real thorn in the side of most leaders, I think. Can I just ask about the word flexibility and What's that ideal use or ideal definition of the word flexibility in a hybrid work environment? Flexibility is really, really important. It's the thing that when people were enforced to work remote, they actually realized, okay, we can be be productive, tick, but actually we love the flexibility. And so the flexibility is almost now becoming a sales point or a sales element for companies saying, okay, you can be as flexible as you need to be as long as you're able to work and deliver what you need to deliver. So I think what a lot of leaders who are struggling in, in hybrid work are doing is they're cutting back on flexibility. 
because they can't control or they don't really know how to lead in a hybrid work environment. And that initially may work, and it may work now for the next year or two during this more tightened belt moment um, that that we're going to go through. But the best people are certainly going to insist on flexibility and flexibility of where they work, when they work, and how they work. And I think if you get hybrid work right, and if you build the right model for hybrid work, you're going to be able to offer flexibility inside of your model that'll make candidates and make people want to join your company. I actually think that flexibility is the key to this, and it's the key to getting creating a successful hybrid work model. So what are the core challenges that leaders are facing or are struggling with? So there's there's been some interesting research done recently. The um, Gallup did a survey of about 8,000 8, plus hybrid workers. And the core challenges are around people feeling less connected to the organization's culture. There's decreased team collaboration. There's this, this thing building up of impaired working relationship with coworkers because we aren't connecting, we aren't doing that face-to-face thing. And, and what people are saying is affecting us in different ways because we're losing the social connection element. There's reduced cross-departmental or cross-functional communication and collaboration. It's more difficult to coordinate work schedules, tasks, timelines, that sort of thing. And I think one of the big challenges that people are experiencing right now is that managers, many managers are not adapting to hybrid work because they don't actually know how to adapt to hybrid work. But I think this, the, the, almost the umbrella for this is culture because culture is the way we do things around here. And most leaders and leadership teams haven't come up with a solution to building a hybrid work culture. It's all happening by default right now. Taking that culture specifically, what are the impacts on culture or what are the impacts you've seen on culture when leaders are operating by default? Let's say they're not being deliberate about setting a hybrid work culture. Yeah, so the impacts of this are, as with often with culture, hidden. Um, they're not obvious. And really good HRDs and, and, and chief people officers or chief HR officers are seeing, starting to see little effects of this happening. And they, they, they're able to put the pieces of the puzzle together and see the, see the cultural issues around this. But ultimately, if you, if you don't define your culture, if you don't say, this is what our culture is, and if you don't make it very clear, then your people, especially in a hybrid work environment, your people are, are, feel lost. They, they don't have anything to connect to. They don't. They, they forget why they're doing what they're doing. When you're in the office, you can you can hear somebody say, you know, we really support that customer. That's part of our culture. Or you can see the culture in action. But when you're working from home, you can't see the culture in action. You can't experience it. You it's it's a different experience. And so if you if you don't make an effort, if you aren't deliberate and intentional about your culture, then even the people who've been with the company for a long time start to feel disconnected. And I'm seeing companies, the best companies that do what they're doing is they're over-indexing now. They're starting to really invest heavily. And they're working out that actually what they did, first of all, their culture pre-pandemic, what is different to the culture that they had immediately after the pandemic, because we over-indexed on empathy and caring and looking after people. And now the culture that we're trying to build is now trying to get a little bit more performance and results driven. So we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to balance this, this piece of empathy and caring with results and performance and, and leaders are struggling to do that. And then there is the other element of, okay, where, what, what do we actually want our hybrid culture to be? And how do we embed a hybrid culture? What do we do to embed a hybrid culture? Because the office was responsible for a lot of the, formation, development, and learning about culture. So now what do we do? Because we're in the office two days a week or three days a week, but that's not the same as being in the office five days a week, where we had a lot more time to learn and a time time for those water cooler moments, those serendipitous moments, the 
time where we, we could learn from others. Now that, that, that office osmosis is gone, the proximity is gone. So what do we do? This is the big challenge right now. Before we get into the obvious, what do we do? What do leaders need to start doing if they're not already doing it? Can I ask what's your opinion on the HRD, the human resource department, those chief people, people that what do you see as their responsibility in this to help and guide leaders potentially? Yeah, I would actually flip it around and I would almost say that the CEO or COO president, it's their responsibility to actually be, to create a super powerful partnership with the HRD, CHRO or the, or the, or the CPO. The culture now is almost the most important aspect of what you need to do as a leader. And the person who's going to be able to help you with that and guide you with that is the HRD. And I, I think that smart leaders now are building that collaboration because they understand that in a lot of cases, the, the culture they had is no longer applicable. There is that underlying culture is still available, but actually it's going to take somebody who understands how to build and develop culture to work with them and to, to, to collaborate with them. So I think HRDs and that, le- that level of, of people executive is super important for the future of most organizations. In my experience, it's a big assumption to make that HRDs know how to build culture. Is your experience very different to mine? No. And yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say that there's levels of knowing how to build culture. But if you compare the HRD's cap- the, the, the HRD's capability to build culture versus the CEO's understanding of it, that it's always going to be superior. Or in most cases, it's going to be superior. It always is wrong. But in many cases, it's going to be superior. We've been talking more intentionally and more deliberately about culture for five maybe even 10 years now. And I think they don't necessarily know how to build culture, but they have a lot more of a nuanced understanding of the issues that are happening in the organization. And they will have an understanding of, of possibly what to do. I would agree with you that a lot don't, but my rose-tinted glasses are more focused on the ones that do and the ones that know what to do about this or have an idea. I think even a 40, 30, 40, to be, actually, let me take a step back. Nobody, very few leaders right now know what to do about hybrid work. That's a fact. So even the best HRDs are going, what do we do now? How do we do this? How do we build culture? Even the best, the most experienced are going, wow, okay, we need to almost, we need to knuckle down. It's a moment, it's a moment in time where many HRDs have been thrown, you know, it's almost like they've been thrown into a dishwasher and go, oh, wow, okay, this is not what we were expecting. The, the good news is there is, there are ways to build culture. And it actually goes back to some of the fundamentals of Edgar Schein of it's just, a, it's just a different way of applying it now. We can't rely on office osmosis, that gradual process of assimilating ideas and knowledge from our working environment. We can't rely on the learning that happened when we were in the offices, office five days a week. We can't rely on that now. We can't get a sense of the underlying culture. We have to now be deliberate. And actually, one of the keys is start learning from remote work companies, but that's a little bit further down the line. So let's unpack this. Let me just reflect back on what you said earlier about some of the impacts the people are feeling less connected to uh, the organization to what the culture is, there's less team collaboration, the co-workers that maybe were sitting close to each other, they're not working as well together because they're not in the office, that osmosis is not happening and leaders are not adapting. There's some of the things you mentioned. What's the step forward that leaders, organizations need to take to start to get deliberate about creating this new culture in their hybrid working environment? This is a, a very complicated, all-encompassing challenge problem that all, lead, all leaders and organizations have. But my belief and my recommendation is you simplify it down to three things. There are three key things, three key elements of hybrid work culture that need to be worked on. The first one is collaboration because collaboration just happened way easier. It was, it was part of the office. 
The second one is people management. And once again, people managers didn't have to do the work that they now have to do. And then there is team culture. And I think that from a leadership level, the leaders need to understand, okay, this is the hybrid environment we've decided to work on. Is that mandated? Is it how, how flexible is it? What are the rules? What are the, what, what have we decided? And then work out how many of their people really want that versus we're just going to force this down on our people. So there, there is this connect, disconnection often between, okay, leaders have decided this, but everybody else wants that. This, and then once we've decided, okay, whether or not we lose over the next two or three years, lose 30% of our best people or 20% or we don't lose anybody at all, how are we going to deliver on this? And ultimately, I believe that the key to delivering, and, and, and middle managers have always been incredibly important for the execution of strategy, but actually for the execution of effective hybrid work, that management level is now vital and critical because they are now working with, they're working with a team and their team have five different personas in them. There is the persona that doesn't want to be in the office. There's the persona that does want to be in the office. There's the persona that's moved out of the city and doesn't want to commute. There's the persona who it wants to travel. And then there's the persona who has children and wants to come into the office around that. And we didn't have to worry about location before, but now this is a big, big deal. And the only, the only people who can really deal with it are the managers. So I think managers need to be empowered, trained, and developed around this because they've been thrown into the deep end and they don't really know what to do about hybrid work. When it comes to hybrid culture, I think we need to work out how to adapt and overcome the loss of osmosis. This is the critical element because the office was responsible for a lot of the culture development and a lot of the culture that happened. So how do we overcome this loss of osmosis, this loss, loss of proximity? Where does the business needs fit in, first of all, in respect to what you talked about, the different personalities? Somebody's moved out of the city and they don't want to commute too much now. People have different requirements in their life, let's say, and finding that flexibility, finding that balance. But I just want to get some clarity from you on where does the business needs fall into this decision-making process of what the environment looks like? So ultimately, the business needs, there is a business requirement, there's a business strategy that needs to be fulfilled. And that business strategy, if you were to go and start a business from fresh, the same business you're in now and start it fresh, you would recruit people who understood what that strategy was, what your hybrid work model was, and you would hire people for that model. And that would be fine. You would all be focused on achieving that. And you would hire people who were happy to be mandated three days a week, wanted that, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what we did is the business had a strategy pre-pandemic and everybody was happy to be in the office and deliver on that strategy. Then they went through the pandemic and they realized, hold on, we can be productive and have flexibility. And now you're saying, okay, the business still has the strategy and the needs, but when we, we're either prepared to consider the, the individual's needs or we're not prepared to consider the individual needs or we're somewhat prepared to consider the individual's needs. Ultimately, the business needs and the business strategy will only be fulfilled by the people inside the organization. So if the people are disengaged, low morale, unhappy with the situation, there's an, an there is a possibility, but it's unlikely that it's going to be pleasant achieving that strategy. So the business needs are, of course, critical. And, but I think actually leaders need to, I think leaders need to develop confidence around hybrid work that they can execute on hybrid work and they can allow their people to be flexible, allow their people to have the flexibility they need, the autonomy they need to balance their lives and fulfill their potential. I think if you look at 100 people in, your, in, an, in an organization, 95% of them want to fulfill their potential, want to achieve, want to build, want to grow, want to develop. The other 5% may not, and they're lazy and useless. But actually, the 95% do. The 95% want to grow and develop and want to succeed. They want the business to succeed. So give them the rope and give them the flexibility to do that. Build the, build the system and build a structure for them to do that. So I think the business needs are going to be, for, the business, you know, the car needs to get 
from Melbourne to Perth, but if the driver is, is incapable and there is no fuel in the tank, it doesn't matter what the business needs are. I appreciate the Australian analogy there as well, mate. Thank you. <laughs> in regards to, guess what you said is spot on, absolutely, where 95% of workers, they want to do a great job. And I guess we can push that across to leaders wanting to be really great leaders. Pre-pandemic, some maybe found that easier than now post-pandemic in the hybrid work environment. So back to the point of creating confident leaders, and I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the course at the end of our conversation that you've got going to help leaders develop in this area. These three points, collaboration, people management, team culture. First of all, are you suggesting that's a linear process that they start working on one and then go to the next and go to the next and put some timeframes around it? No, I'm. So the way the way I look at this is that the people at the coalface, the people who are going to ultimately work out how their team should operate, the managers, the people managers, need to first of all understand where they're strong or weak. So in collaboration. How are we doing? Just how does it feel? Are we collaborating well? Where are we weak? Where are we strong? And then if you consider that hybrid work is this combination of remote work and office work, most of us know how to work in an office, but most of us have not yet, have not really worked in an environment where we've experienced remote work best practices, where we know how to remote work something. And if we're in the office two days a week and working from home three days a week, that means 60% of our time is remote working. So what does that mean? It means that we should probably go out from a collaboration point of view and understand remote work best practices, understand where we're strong and weak against the relevant remote work best practices. And so my recommendation is that managers look at this and go, okay, this is where I'm strong or weak in collaboration. This is where I'm strong or weak with people management. And this is what I could do with culture development. So with people management, there's a very interesting study by Georgia South University, which was actually, it was run pre-pandemic where they did some research and they took, uh, I think it was about 220 teams of four people each and they split them up and they said, okay, you 110 teams of four people, go and work in an office, four people in an office, go and choose your manager. You 110 teams of four people go and choose your manager, but work remotely. And the people who worked in the office chose what I call the alpha leader, the one, the, the person who likes to talk, who likes to be heard, who likes to give instruction, who likes to delegate, who uses their, the power of their personality as a leadership skill. The people who work remote chose leaders who were facilitators, coaches, project managers, operations focused, people who could help them get their job done. So you've got these, you actually fundamentally got these two different leadership styles. So as a people manager, what leadership style are you taking on board? Are you outcomes focused or input focused? Are you going to trust your people? Are you going to be transparent with your people? To what extent are you going to take on remote work best practices to be a hybrid, an effective hybrid leader? And then the third piece is the culture, which is really managers did not have to worry about culture because the culture of their team, strong or weak, was a function of the broader culture of the organization. And that was a function of being in the office because we could learn and experience culture in the office and, and, and feed off one another in the office. Now we can't because we're out of the office two or three or four days a week. So the culture's just completely not experienced in, in the same way. So now team leaders have to go and say, okay, wow, what do I do about the culture of my team inside the umbrella of the bigger culture of the organization? And how do I build a cohesive, extremely high-performing team inside? What culture do I build inside of the culture of the organization? So the long-winded answer to your question is you ought to look at all three and decide where, you know, don't, don't, don't think you can do all of them at once. You can't do culture and people management and collaboration, but you could, for example, say, okay, the first thing we're going to do is work on processes because processes and collaboration processes are key to hybrid work. We're going to spend three months on processes and then we're going to start working on social capital because social capital is critical to how we operate internally in the team and externally across the broader team. 
And so I recommend that, that, that you take this in a step-by-step process and no, what I call status quo leader, no status quo manager. In other words, the, the manager who hasn't really changed that much from pre-COVID to now, no status quo manager is going to get this right all right in three or six months. This is a 24-month journey that they've got to go on to improve their hybrid leadership capabilities. Just going back to something you said a little bit earlier, are you seeing evidence of certain personality type style of leaders having more success in a hybrid working environment than another style? Absolutely. One of the big elements, and you can see the impact of this, the leaders who um, want to come in more, who want to be in the office more, are struggling on, on a number of fun- fronts. They're often the micromanager or the the personality leader, the leader with the big personality, the big voice. And they are they're struggling incredibly because they used to dictate, tell, and though they didn't actually have to necessarily demonstrate their leadership skills, they could just demonstrate the performance they could get out of the team, however they got it. But actually, in a, in a, rem, in a broadly remote work environment, you can't do that anymore because the remote team members get a very, very immediate sense of how good you are at facilitating the way they work how good you are at building our projects, at helping them fulfill the projects, at helping them when they get to blockers or issues. And what's starting to happen is the the managers that are not successful are starting to become irrelevant. There is an irrelevance threat to managers because what people are doing is they're going to their colleagues and asking for advice. Because their colleagues know about them. Their colleagues know what's happening to them day to day. Their colleagues know their situation. So rather than ping my manager, who I speak to once a month, and he wants to know how I'm, how I'm going against Target, I'd rather speak to John, who's my colleague, who I see once every, once every two weeks uh, in the office, because John knows where I am. John understands my issues. And what lots of managers are not realizing is actually to be a better hybrid work manager, you have to do more one-to-ones. You have to connect with your people on a more deliberate and more intentional level than, oh, I bump into you in the office uh, and, and find out how you are or ask Jack how John is to find out if John's okay. That doesn't, you can't do that anymore as a manager. So yes, I'm, we're definitely seeing managers struggling with relevance because their people are avoiding them and going around them because you can, it's not, it's not deliberate. It's not backstabbing. It's literally, I just need to get my job done. And if you can't me, if you can't help me get my job done, I will get somebody else to help me get my job done. It also sounds like with some of the references you've made back to potentially your own, your culture book that you wrote and the nine best practices around hybrid working. How does that link in? Yeah, so so actually, the nine best practices uh, were around remote working, and this is the reason why I've been really fortunate. So, in 2018, I was approached by two remote work companies to help them with their culture development, and I had no clue about nothing, no clue about remote work companies. I didn't even understand. I didn't know really that they were real or, or, or could succeed. And then my eyes were opened when I started working with these two companies. And I decided to study and really go deep into GitLab, Buffer, Zapier, TopTel, and you know, 10, 15 others. And that's where the nine remote work best practices came in, which has given me this incredible insight into what hybrid work companies need. Because I'm fortunate that I've spent 14 months studying these companies I've, I've, I've read, you know, I've worked with them, I've studied them, I've, I've researched them and I followed them. And, you know, if you, in, in the course I mentioned, how, how did a company like GitLab go from less than a hundred people in 2016 to 1,300 in 2020, then IPO, and they're now over 2,000 people in 2023, fully remote. How did they do that? What do they do that's different? And so those, Best practices of remote work companies are, are, are what have given me the insight of what hybrid environments and how you need to lead in a hybrid environment. And we'll certainly make sure we put a link to that in our show notes again, mate. Back to the three points with collaboration, people management, team culture. Once again, in your experience and the conversations you're having and the learnings you're taking in this space, 
Is there one that you would recommend more often than not as a starting point that has an, a more immediate impact and starts to build that confidence in leaders that they can actually learn to lead in a remote environment? I think collaboration is, if I, if I were to start somewhere, if I really doubted my leadership, my leadership skills and I was struggling with it as, as a leader, I would go and have a look at, I would go and dig into the leadership element. The, the, the people management element would be, would, you know, it almost doesn't matter what I do because if my fundamentals, my management fundamentals are that bad, I can, you know, it'll just be like throwing darts at the wall. Nothing's going to stick. But if I'm okay, as a, if I feel I'm okay and, you know, I've got a fairly good rapport with my team and we're, 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 on, we're on the right, the same-ish page, then I would start looking at collaboration because ultimately the distance, this disconnect from a distance point of view is what I need to overcome. So I need to work out how to collaborate better, how I, how I work better with the team and how the team work better with themselves and then how the team work better with the rest of the organization. And if I can start getting that right, then we can, we can you know, collaboration for me is process definition documentation and documentation capability. It's about communication where it's about balancing synchronous and asynchronous work. It's about social connection and social capital building where you build that, that community and that, that cohesion. And then it's about trust and transparency. And if you can get those five right, you're superhuman when it comes to, you, you, you're, you're way ahead of every other manager in the organization. So those five things are almost like what success looks like in that collaboration pillar, if I can call it a pillar. Correct. Once again, you refer back to how a leader, first of all, they need to be or a manager or a supervisor team leader at that level with the people on the ground, need to be having deliberate conversations about what does this look like today? Where are we maybe strong? Where are we not as strong as we need to be? How do we improve this? So they're having some deliberate conversations. Off the back of that, where's an obvious next step to move forward on the collaboration piece, first of all? So the reason we didn't, I mean, and this didn't work many times, but the reason we didn't have to work so hard on culture development in the office is because the office did it for us. The, 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 the proximity, the, 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 it, it just facilitated the, 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 the formation of the culture, the development of the culture, and then we started becoming deliberate about it when we had the traction, when we realized that the wheels could fall off if we didn't. And so now we, if we step back and we go, okay, we had the office, the office was the constant pre-pandemic and we could build our culture, either, either deliberately or not, the culture could be built on this constant. What is the constant that we can build our culture on in a hybrid work environment? That is the fundamental question that most HRDs and CPOs are not asking themselves right now because they don't know to ask the question. But it is the, probably the most important question that you could ask yourself if you were an HRD right now. What is the constant across remote work and office work? What is that thing? And the answer to that question is collaborative processes. If your processes are well-defined, the steps you take in the process should not change whether you're in the office or working from home. The steps of the process are the same. And the reason why I mentioned collaborative processes is because where you collaborate in a process is where you can share, where you can experience the culture. So let me take this a little a, a step further. I believe that the constant, the one thing that hybrid work culture development should be built on is collaboration processes. And I'll give you an example of what we do at Culture Gene. So at Culture Gene, we, uh, we, we, we embed our values and our behaviors into the processes, specifically the collaboration processes. So when it comes to the hiring process, for example, what we do is we agree the job spec and, 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 and we, we sign off on the, on the new role. We define the job spec and we write the job description. We then share the job description with external recruiters if we're going to use them. We then have a discussion with the team about the values-based interview questions and the behavior-based interview questions we're going we're gonna to ask the candidates. 
We then interview the candidates. We then put the, put the offer to the candidates. We then onboard the candidates and we put the candidates through a probation period. So that's the process. Let's say there are eight steps. In each and every single one of those steps, whether you're in the office or working from home, they're pretty consistent. So what we do is we say, okay, in the job description, we include the values and behaviors and the culture, a description of those things in the job description. We then share a little cheat sheet with the recruiters, the external recruiters, so that they are able to communicate our culture and hopefully give us better candidates that are better suited for our values in the process. When we work with the interview team, we talk about interview questions they should be asking to evaluate the candidates on the values and behaviors. And as you can see, what I'm doing is I go through this process step by step by step by step by step, and we embed our values and behaviors into every step of the process, which means that every part of the process understands the importance of the culture. And this is, this is something that nobody's thinking about because it wasn't necessary. It just happened when you're in the office. It just happened. But it doesn't just happen anymore. So we have to make it happen and we have to be deliberate about it. And embedding through collaboration processes is one of the steps, the embedding steps that you do to make sure your culture is consistent and effective when people are in the office and when people are working from home. It's almost an example where leaders on the ground have not across the board, but they've sort of got by more by luck than chance in some respects. And if you've led like that, then you don't even know what you need to do in the hybrid environment because you weren't deliberate about what you needed to do in the office environment, which in a lot of these things you're talking about was just easier. Again, it happened by default. There was osmosis happening. I don't want to be too brutal on leaders out there, but is is that fundamentally what the story is? Yeah. It's there, there, there's no, there's, it's, it's as simple as that. Leaders have a tough, tough role. You know, it's, it's not easy. And culture was this thing what, that, that you knew was super important, but you didn't really have to work too hard on it, especially if you had quite a, you know, a Steve Jobsian or a, like a, a, a super powerful leader or, a, you know, you, you had that founder who could take you through who you, who you learned from and would make mistakes, but generally you would learn. And then somebody with a really good understanding of culture, whether it was COO or the HRD would come in and say, okay, these are, this is the stuff we need to do to back it up. But even then, unless you're looking at companies like Netflix, you know, unless you're looking at companies on the extreme like Bridgewater, companies still didn't treat culture in the way they should have done. And now it's now, now most leaders are going, okay, we just have to get back into the office because, or many leaders, not most, but we have to get back into the office because they don't even actually know that culture is the problem. They, that it's yes, there's a culture thing. And yes, you know, we need to get, we need to get people back in the office to get that touchy feely thing going again, but they don't fully understand that it was actually the glue. It was actually the, the oil. It was the, 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 the thing that made everything run without friction. Let's jump ahead. Have you put much thought into what organizations might look like in, let's say, three to five years' time if they don't get deliberate about improving their leadership capabilities around particularly collaboration, people management, and team culture in what that looks like for a hybrid work environment? Yeah, I think the nature of the beast of, of organizations is that it'll be death by a thousand cuts. It won't, it won't be decapitation. But the best people will go and then the next best level will hang around for longer and they will go. And then, then you may, the organization may be strong enough to just coast in a way, but ultimately they will be, and I actually might be wrong because now that people are, are, are more remote, they may just get sick and tired and fed up with it. The big unknown now is a big recession, you know, how long, et cetera. And our, our, our leaders are going to try and reimpose office work because they don't really understand how to do hybrid culture. So to what extent are they going to become, become more, more intense about, okay, now, now you've got to be in the office four days a week. But the problem with that is the cat is out of the bag. You can't now go and say, we don't trust you because you're not productive because actually people have shown that they can be an all incredibly productive, more so. You know, the Gallup poll shows that productivity is up 
especially in, in companies where there's, there is more flexibility and more trust. Do they distinguish between real productivity and what they've termed as false productivity? I haven't, I haven't seen data on that, so I don't, uh, I don't know. But they do say there is a consistency at leadership level and below on both the challenges and advantages. So, so there is consistency, but I don't know to what extent that productivity question is answered. We made reference in relation to leaders specifically in certain styles that may be thriving or struggling in the post-pandemic hybrid work environment world. Are you seeing any patterns around employees, individual comp- contributor type roles on the ground? Are there any personality types, styles that are thriving more than others in this new environment? So I haven't seen any data on this and I haven't spoken to people who are giving me insights on this, but I would sort of relate that to that persona element that I mentioned. So because we didn't have to worry about location pre-pandemic, it didn't matter. Everybody sort of came down to the common denominator. Their needs focused on the common denominator of the office and what happened in the office and almost how they got into the office. But now that has been blown apart. So, And actually, when I work with my clients, we build personas for for managers. So we, we'll build 11 or 12 personas which will say, okay, this is Persona X. Jack, new employee, fits in, into Persona X. And these are the driver's needs of that persona. So Jack is 24. Jack lives in the city. Jack has a girlfriend. Jack is into music. Jack is inexperienced. Jack, uh, this is his second job after a year of working at a bank. So that's the persona. And so then we look at, okay, how do we manage Jack? How do we lead Jack? How do we mentor him? How do we train him? How do we create the environment for Jack to fulfill his potential, but also succeed in our our environment? We'll start looking at things like task relevant maturity and and leading based on Jack's capability to, to not just deliver on a project, but deliver on each step of a project. And then we'll look at Mary, who, you know, has two children. One's just about to go into university. The other one's end of university, just about to leave, get their first job. Mary starting to look at exploring her own, you know, her, her, her passions or hobbies. Mary has been with the company for five years or and so what we do is we, we, we build these 11 personas or 12 personas and we go, okay, as a manager, your new employee or that person over there doesn't fit exactly in the persona, but the persona will give you a pretty good idea of how you can view this person. It's not the optimum way of looking at them. It's not the perfect way of looking at them, but it's a pretty good way of saying, ah, I know what persona this is. Getting back to being deliberate then and linking this back, that sort of stuff could happen in the office just by chance, having conversations you're getting to know, and that could happen within a day, a week, that sort of time frame. But being deliberate, you need to be deliberate about maybe creating this persona, which puts you ahead of the game. You still need to make that connection and opportunity to have some conversations, but you have to be deliberate about what you're doing why you do this, what's the intention of this, and how it's going to help you create a better experience for that person in the environment that you're leading, and ultimately better productivity, better outcomes, all those sorts of great things that business is about achieving results. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's that's spot on, actually. The, the, this fits into that giving confidence, the confident leader, giving them confidence, because actually hybrid is destroyed confidence, left, right, and center. We, the things we knew how to do, we don't know how to do anymore. With the things we relied on, we can't rely on anymore. The way we did things, we don't do anymore. So that confidence, giving them the confidence, the, the, the persona is not the answer, but it just gives you a little bit more confidence to go and say, I'm good here. I, I, I have an idea of this person. It may not be 100% right. It may not even be 50% right, but I've never met them before. I didn't bump into them in the office because I'm in the office once every three weeks. I've, I, I haven't had chance to interact with them, but it is this persona. The other thing that, that we do with leaders and, and is included in, in the course is we build a social capital index of the team. So social capital is 
the value you get from knowing other people and them knowing you. And so companies don't necessarily think about building up social capital, but social capital in a team is incredibly important because there's a social internal social capital. In other words, how well do I know you? How well do I know about you? Have we stood next to a bar at 2 a.m. and have you told me about how much you love your Labrador and or whatever it is, you know, so that's not happening because we're not going to the pub and getting hammered every Friday. So how does the team manager, the team leader, the people manager build up their social capital? And we've got a process that we run people through that goes and says, okay, first of all, on the social side, we have to sort that out. Let's go and let's go and be deliberate about that. And let's not allow it to happen by chance. Let's, let's, let's build a plan for social capital on a social interaction front. Then we look at the team and go, okay, how is the team gelling? Who knows what about who? And that is, involves in a one-to-one meeting. How do you know the rest of the team? What do you know about them? It's not, it's not prying, but just like, where are you at with everybody? And then who do you know? Who are you interacting with externally? So are you talking to, you know, are you talking to Bob at Ops? Okay, great. Have you spoken to Simon at product? Because Simon at product will be able to tell you about the new products that you need to be selling. Okay, cool. I'll introduce you to Simon at product. And what you do is you build the social capital index of your team, which allows you to go and say, okay, we as an, as a team need to focus on working more with the engineering department or interacting more. Why don't we get a, a, um, the two teams together and, and, and have a show and tell or a sharing of this is how we sell. This is how we develop software. This is how we, we work on a new product. And so the social capital index element that we've built allows the team leader once again to have the confidence in their team, the confidence in their team's ability to interact internally and externally and collaborate and then build out on that collaboration. Brett, in relation to collaboration, people management, team cult- culture, those three pillars we've been referring to right through this conversation, can you give our listeners, the leaders out there, just a point that they could focus on or something that's going to help them in each element of those areas? So a point for collaboration, a point for people management, and a point for team culture. Sure. So from a collaboration point of view, there are two types of, of ultimately collaboration. Well, there's a mandated where we're all in the office together, and then we're all remote working together. Or some people are remote working, some people in the office. If you want to get this right, I think you need to work out how to balance synchronous and asynchronous communication. When people are working remotely, asynchronous collaboration, asynchronous communication is critical. So you don't interrupt people, they can do their deep work, and they can actually walk the dog or whatever they need to do while they're at home. The thing about asynchronous communication is it doesn't work if you're working on one project because you're then waiting for the asynchronous response. So actually, and we, we work like this normally, we work on three or four projects. So you can work on project one, ask for a input, work on project two, work on project three. So I think getting, getting your heads around asynchronous communication as a manager is, is vital. It's, it's, a, it's a key requirement. When it comes to the people management side, remote work companies in their the teams, team, team managers, over-index on communication. So a company like Hotjar, a company like Buffer, they, they, do, they do one-to-one meetings with their teams, with their individuals in their team every week. They don't do it once a month or once every three months. They, they know exactly what's going on. And they don't do one-to-ones about where are we with, it's not a status report. It's not even often, not even about business. It's about how are you, where are you at? You lead the conversation. So one-to-ones build, builds the connection that the manager requires so that the manager has multiple connection points and then can reinforce the connection points amongst the team. And then the third point around culture is, first of all, team leaders must accept and understand that they are now responsible for culture. And if this hasn't happened in the organization, what they need, the first thing they need to do is to take the values and work with their team to define the team's interpretation of those expected, of those values. So what are our expected behaviors of those values? How do we demonstrate those values in action as a team? It's not going to compete with the group or the, 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 the global element, but it's going to give the team that, that, that sense of purpose and that sense of, of, of autonomy to actually execute on we behave like this in our team. 
So those are the three things that I would focus on. Excellent, mate. Makes very good sense. And I guess we should say that leaders should work on this with their team because if they're not, they're potentially going to die a thousand cuts in three to five years. Is that right? Well, they, they, whether they know it or not now, <laughs> they're, they're, they're experiencing those little cuts. So I, I, They're I, already experiencing pain. <laughs> Absolutely. They're, they're, if any of your wonderful, wonderful audience are, are, are nailing this, I will fly to wherever they are and spend a week with them. I really want to know what they're doing right. Fantastic. We'll put the call out. Mate, you're, you've also been spending some fair bit of time on creating a course to help leaders better lead in the hybrid working environment to get this leadership competence going in this space. Tell us a bit about that and how it's going to help. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I, I, I wrote these, these books and I swore that I would never write another book again because I, I, can, I can hardly laugh in English. So you know, writing, writing a book is, is hugely painful. And if it wasn't for my wife, I definitely wouldn't have got either of them written. So I then decided to create a course, but I didn't realize that actually to create a course, you almost got to write a book. It's, it's 40,000 words. So oof, not so smart, but anyway, um, I, what I, what I wanted to do was to really, because I've, because I, I, I've, I was given this gift of being intrigued by remote work and then really digging deep into these remote work companies that are doing incredibly, incredible things. I mean, the GitLab company handbook, it's the most beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's insane. It's 2000 pages, 3 million words, and it's, it's an operating document. The remote work companies are just doing incredible things. And I thought, I have this understanding of remote work. I have this understanding of culture and how to develop culture. And hybrid work seems to be this combination of what I understand. So the course really is, is broken down into these three areas of collaboration because collaboration is something we didn't have to worry about in the office. People management, because, you know, leader, team leaders and leaders have just been, it's, it's literally been, okay, you're now in, in the tornado, deal with it. And then culture, because culture has changed so much and, and, and culture development and culture. And so for me, it was just natural for, for me to want to explain what I know. And an interactive video course is, is, is really key. The, the course is, is this, I, I feel it's a, it's, it's this well, it's a well balanced theory and action. So each lesson has an exercise or a survey or a questionnaire at the end of it. And those exercises can be applied immediately to your team. And you can the next day and then you can see the improvement or the change you know, within a couple of weeks. And at the end of the, at the end of the course, once you've completed the, the four, four modules, the fifth module is, okay, what's the priority? Now, this is how you take those steps to execute on this priority. So it's not the typical hybrid work course right now is a whole lot of fluff. It's talking about the types of hybrid work and make sure everybody's got enough equipment and Communicate. It's it's this course is going into the detail of what you need to do as a leader in a hybrid environment. Sounds exciting, mate. How can they find it? How can they get into it? Our the website is culturegene.ai, www.culturegene.ai, and just click on the course. There's a training program as well. So if any organisations want us to help them roll this out, um, they can. The course is going to go live in around about exactly a month. And if people want to uh, go on there and, and sign up, they can right now. There is a pre-launch opportunity that we've created so people can take advantage of that. And uh, you get, as part of the course, you get my books, you get a bunch of other bonuses as well. And we're building a community around it. So uh, people will be able to learn from one another about what's working and what's not in terms of the initiatives they, they're driving. Excellent, mate. Sounds fantastic. And as always, we'll put it in the show notes. And I reckon by our timing of releasing this recording will be pretty good alignment with the release of the course. So sounds like a perfect opportunity for me, mate. Excellent. Brett, what's helped to create a more confident leader in yourself? So with me, my Achilles heel is criticism. And um as is the way of the world, I uh, married a lady who's incredibly good at it. And so we have our moments. But actually, to improve 
my confidence. I've been, over the last five years, I've been very proactive in asking for constructive criticism. I've asked people to write it down. I've asked people to tell me about it immediately. And, and this for me has allowed me to, to not have a almost physical response to criticism and, and has allowed me to adapt. And uh, I still get affected sometimes when I'm, when I'm not in the right space by it. And I've now learned to le- deal with it and lead with it, you know, deal with it and lead in it better. So for me, it's, it's, it's about being proactive about feedback and critical feedback. And actually at the end of this, uh, Brendan, I will ask you for feedback on this uh, discussion and ask you where I could get better at it so that you can give me some critical feedback because I would really appreciate it because it'll help. Thank you, mate. You're putting me in the hot seat, aren't you? I love how you're being proactive with asking for feedback as well. Such a good thing to do. Don't leave it a chance, right? Mate, you've been our Actually, before I say this, are you going to turn the course into a book? <laughs> I'm not sure this is the right thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's more chance of me falling pregnant with triplets. <laughs> it's a no then. <laughs> <laughs> it's no maybe. <laughs> definite no. All right. I've got the message. Mate, you're our first guest to come back a second time. I think it's not because people haven't asked to come back. They haven't asked to come back, but I had this thing in my head that I probably wouldn't ask anyone to come back till about episode 100, and we're actually pretty close. So, but I really appreciate the fact that you reach out to me, and we've kept you know there's been that relationship ongoing. So thanks for reaching out because I think when we spoke about back in episode 40 odd something, it was remote work specific, and it was very opportunistic around the environment we were all living in and starting to live in and the same with this now so what you've taken the time to share with us is fantastic it's i know it's going to be super helpful for not only myself and working with the leaders around some of this stuff because i've learned a bit today absolutely but particularly in our listeners and the space there and to try and navigate these things and then there's also this additional help through the course but no book but mate, thank you very much for coming on and once again First time and the second time being a fantastic guest on the culture of leadership. My pleasure, Ren. It's uh, great to be back on and uh, really enjoyed it as I did the first. Thank you, buddy. Cheers. Hybrid work has destroyed confidence in leaders. To ensure we have thriving businesses in the future, we need leaders to take back their confidence. To help you become more confident leading a hybrid team, and ultimately building a culture that supports your work environment, Brett has released a new online course for managing hybrid teams. The course link is in the show notes. To access the exclusive 50% discount for the Culture of Leadership community, use discount code HYBRID50 at the checkout. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Brett. My first key takeaway, confident leaders know flexibility is critical to successful hybrid work. Without flexibility, managers will struggle to adapt to the hybrid work model. Flexibility doesn't mean you let people do whatever they want. It means you adapt your leadership style and try different approaches to optimize your hybrid work environment. My second key takeaway, confident leaders understand the three key elements of hybrid work. The three elements are collaboration, people management, and team culture. Leaders need to review and analyze where they're strong and where they're weak in these three areas and benchmark against other organizations to understand what works best in their environment. My third key takeaway, confident leaders understand their leadership style. They understand how their style works within their organization and the hybrid environment. Using your style to focus on building social capital, facilitating collaboration, and over-indexing on communication will help your hybrid environment and team succeed. It also contributes to your success as a confident leader leading a hybrid environment. So in summary, my three key takeaways were, confident leaders know flexibility is critical to successful hybrid work. Confident leaders understand the three key elements of hybrid work, and confident leaders understand their leadership style. What were your key takeaways? Let me know at thecultureofleadership.com on YouTube or via our socials. Thanks for joining me, and remember, the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. 
Thanks for listening to The Culture of Leadership. You can access the show notes at thecultureofleadership.com. If you enjoy the show, please follow, rate, and give a review on your favorite podcast platform. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.